The Fields of Home by Ralph Moody, University of Nebraska Press, 1953. We're on chapter 10, slow and easy goes far in a day. <laughs> Lord, we live in time, and day by day, we keep growing and learning. I pray for the kids and the grandkids to, to learn to be steadfast in the work they're being, they've been given to do, that it would go far, and in your kingdom, accomplish the great work it needs to be, that needs to be done in, according to your plan. In Jesus' name, amen. I had expected that we might sleep a little later on Sunday morning than on weekdays, but Millie came in and woke me up before it was hardly light enough to see across my room. She was in her stockinged feet and didn't call me, but shook me a little by the shoulder. Get up. Get up, Ralphie, she whispered when I opened my eyes. Thomas wants you, but he don't want Levi woke up. Victuals is almost on the table. Then she tiptoed out through Uncle Levi's room without even making a floorboard squeak. I pulled my overalls, socks, and shirt on, took my shoes in my hand, and sneaked quietly out through Uncle Levi's room. Grandfather was already at the table. He had a pretty good he had a pretty good looking felt hat and a gray suit on and was eating a bowl of oatmeal as fast as he could swing the spoon. Get your victuals into you as fast as you can, Ralphie, he told me when I came into the kitchen. I got to go right off to Lewiston this morning, and there ain't no time for dawdling over the victuals. I give old Nell her provender already, and I'll have her harnessed by the time you get to the barn. He pushed his chair back, got up, and as he went out through the back pantry, called, Fetch a stout piece of rope out of the carriage house when you go past. Grandfather was in a dither when I got to the barn. He had the harness nearly on old Nell, and the minute I came into the doorway, snapped, Stir your stivers! Stir your stivers, Ralphie! Fetch Marthy's heifer calf out and load it on the spring wagon. Who in time and tarnation has been meddling with this tonal harness? It's all tangled up. Martha's calf was pretty good sized. It weighed at least 150 pounds and it didn't want to leave Martha. But I'd had quite a little experience with calves in Colorado. I tossed a loop of the rope around the base of the calf's tail, put an arm around her neck, and started to lead her out to the wagon. Everything would have been all right if Grandfather hadn't come to help me. He slammed the tie-up door back into my face just as I was putting a hand up to open it. I was leaning over a little to keep my arm around the calf's neck, and my head was sticking out in front, sort of like a turtle's. When the door hit me, I lost my balance, but I held on to the calf tight, and we both went down together. What in time and tarnation are you trying to do with that calf? Grandfather shouted at me from the doorway. Get up! Get up and leave her alone! I tell you what you think this is, a Wild West show? Turn her loose, I tell you. I didn't have to turn the calf loose. She jerked her head out from under me, scrambled to her feet, raced off down the tie-up, bawling. Grandfather didn't bother with me anymore, but went running after the calf. Catch her, catch her, head her off, he was shouting before I was hardly back on my feet. The more he hollered, the more he frightened the calf. She ducked in and out among the stanchioned cows like a cat having a fit. Every cow in the barn had started bellowing, and that calf was bawling, and above the hubbub, I could hear Grandfather yelling, Tarnal fool boy, don't stand there gawking, help me catch her. We ain't got all day, I tell you. After two steeplechases around the tie-up, the calf stuck her head between her old Martha's hind legs, slipped, and fell into the scupper. Before she could get up, I was on top of her. Don't hurt her, don't hurt her, Ralphie, Grandfather was saying as he came out running over. Handle her gentle, gentle. You got her half scared to death already. Leave, leave us hissed her up careful and fetch her out to the wagon. We might as well have tried to carry a full-grown cow as that frightened calf. And besides, 
She was sort of slippery from falling into the scupper. Grandfather wouldn't let me hogtie her, and he wouldn't even let and he and wouldn't even twist her tail a little so she wouldn't hang back when I tried to lead her. We were both pretty well messed up, and Grandfather had called me a tarnal boy at least a dozen times. I was so mad um, when he drove out of the yard that I wanted to throw something after him. I was still mad when I went into the house for the milk bucket. I didn't say a word to Millie, just grabbed the bucket in one hand, the squill pail in the other, and went out to do the morning chores. Uncle Levi was downstairs when I carried the milk to the house, and he was as happy as a meadowlark. He had one he had on one of Millie's aprons over his overalls, and as he cut oranges and bananas into a bowl at the pantry table, was singing, Around and round the cobbler's bench, the monkey chased the weasel. Every time he'd come to pop, goes the weasel, he'd throw a banana or an orange peel or at the empty swill pail. Millie seemed just about as happy as Uncle Levi. She was at the stove, frying eggs, and watching a pan of biscuits in the oven. And every time Uncle Levi sang out, Pop! She'd wrap the edge of the frying pan with the turner. I was still so mad and messed up that their playing sounded silly to me. I stopped in the summer kitchen, took my shoes off, and set the pail of milk beside, inside the pantry doorway. Then I went to the sink to wash up. Bye, hub, Ralph. We'll get an early start on that hoss rake chore. Uncle Levi called out to me between the pops. Wasn't it lucky running onto that betrayed hide, Ed? I spied it out while you was gone for the cows last night. So God wonder you ever got Thomas off started off from here. What was you doing so long with that cussed calf? And then you started the, again with round and round. Loading it was all I said as I pulled my shirt sleeves up and started to wash. Uncle Levi stopped singing. I heard Millie come to the pantry doorway. Then I could feel both them both standing there and looking at my back. Millie was the first to make a sound. She sort of snickered and said, ain't it my head up, be you, Ralphie? My name isn't Ralphie, it's Ralph, I told her, and I wasn't a bit careful about making it sound pleasant. Great day of judgment, Uncle Levi chuckled. What did you mop what what did you mop down with a tie up that calf afore you had loaded her? No, I said, she fell and went right on washing. Calculate Thomas give you a little help, or was it hindrance? Hindrance, I said, and scooped a double handful of soap suds onto my face. Uncle Levi had stopped chuckling. By hub, he said. I've never seen a man could get a critter so het up as Thomas can. Can't lead a hostile water without getting him atop the back house at least once. Buttons clicked on a chair seat beside me, and Millie said, There's some clean clothes, Ralph. Better get into, get into them before you come to the table. Thick tools is all ready. All through breakfast, Millie and Uncle Levi kept joshing each other, but I didn't feel like joshing. And I didn't have very much to say while we were picking out the tools and carrying them down to the old hay rake. We just propped up the end that had the crumpled wheel when Uncle Levi said, Thomas must have got you about as head up as he did the calf this morning. What happened? Nothing, I said. Get it off your stomach, Ralph, he told me. It's the things he keeps down that poisons a man, not the things he gets rid of. Well, I might be a fool, I said but I don't like to be told it 40 times in five minutes. A tarnal fool, Uncle Levi asked and winked at me. Yes, a tarnal fool, and I don't like it. Uncle Levi chuckled a little. I didn't either. When I was a boy, used to make me so cuss and mad, I'd want to skin Thomas alive. Before he went off to the war, I used to ache for the day. I'd be big enough to lick him. Uncle Levi straightened up and patted his fat belly. Calculated I started this bread basket on its way before I was 10 years old. 
stuffing it with victuals so I'd grow bigger than what Thomas was. Did you ever lick him, I asked. Can't say as ever I did. Time he come back from the war, I was a trifle bigger than him, but he had malaria. Ain't been in the best of health since. It's a wonder somebody hasn't licked him. If he goes around calling everybody eternal fool, licks himself. Calculate it's cost poor Thomas many a dollar and many a friend. Recollect hearing my half-sister Eunice tell of his saying it was afore he was knee-high to a toad. Father thought twas clever. Well, I don't think it's clever now, I said. No, no, it ain't. But it's a habit. Get a habit when you're young, and it's harder to get over than blue eyes. Thomas, he don't mean no more by it than sin smiley means when he says he's going to kill his old woman. Well, I'd get just as mad as if he meant it, I said, and I can't help it. Don't pay it no mind. I Great day of judgment. This ain't doing nothing for this old hay rake, is it? First thing we know, Thomas, he's likely to come rearing back in here and catch us at it. I hope, I hope he makes a good trade on them cussed bees. If he don't, he'll be sore than a cut thumb about us planting, uh, planning, to, planning to rake hay with it. And if he makes a good trade, I asked. Well, I can't always tell him with Thomas, but you've got to watch your chances. Like as not, if he makes a powerful good trade, and if we don't wave the cussed hoss rake right before his nose, he'll never let it on. He knows we used it. Let's get on with it. I'd kind of like to see the orchard in windrows before he gets home. The horse rake didn't take as long to fix as I thought it might. We, all, we took all the bent and broken pieces up to the forge. Uncle Levi built up the fire, and while I robbed pieces off the wrecked machine and bolted them onto the better one, he did the blacksmithing. With the early start we got, we were all finished by 10 o'clock. The yellow colt didn't give me much trouble in harnessing, but he made up his mind that he wouldn't pull the horse rake. By the time he'd settled down, we'd lost more than an hour. He'd thrown himself down three or four times, squirmed and bucked out of his harness over and over and acted exactly as if he'd been eating local weed. I had to wire his ears together, tie a string around his tongue, throw dirt into his mouth, and even hogtie him like a calf for branding. It was while I had him hogtied that he decided to behave himself. And once he decided, there was nothing more to it. He let us hitch him into the shafts without a bobble, and when I climbed up onto the seat, he walked off as quietly as old Nell would have. He didn't even jump when I tripped the gears to dump our first load. Uncle Levi brought sandwiches and a pitcher of milk to the orchard for me, and when I had finished raking, he took one wheel and the shafts off the horse rake. He said it would be good. It would be sort of waving it under Grandfather's nose if we left it all together. <laughs> In Colorado, the hay racks were, were flat platforms or wheels, but Grandfather's was built more like a basket. The bottom was only about three feet wide, and there was a high flaring fence all around it. Instead of having boards for the floor, it was made of half a dozen uh, birch poles. Most of them were rotten, and nearly a third of the fence stakes were broken or missing. While I was doing the raking, Uncle Levi had made new stakes and poles for the uh, floor poles for it. After I'd unharnessed, unharnessed and fed the yellow colt, I helped him build them into the hay rack. It took us till nearly sundown, and Grandfather hadn't come home when we finished, so Uncle Levi went with me to get the cows. I took him past the high stony field, told him again how well I thought it would do in strawberries and tomatoes, and then we walked along the brow of the hill above Lisbon, Lisbon Valley. There was a little green meadow just beyond the foot of the hill, and a girl drove four or five cows into it from behind Grandfather's beech woods. She was wearing a white dress, and against it, her long hair looked as black and shiny as polished jet. Annie Littledale, Uncle Levi said when he, she came into sight, clever little thing, about your age, here tells she can cook better than any woman roundabouts. I wanted to ask him if Annie was pretty, but I didn't quite like to, so I just said, 
I see our cows are waiting at the bars. Grandfather was home when we got in with the cows. Old Nell was standing in the dooryard, and Grandfather was down at the beehives. The minute we came out of the barn, he called, Levi, Levi, come see the powerful good trade I made. Didn't get the colonies I sought out for. Man wouldn't trade. Ralphie dirtied the heifer up too much to load her. But I seen most of the bee men roundabouts, and I made a tarnal good trade. Come see them. They were still down there when I unharnessed old Nell and watered her. But by the time I'd finished the chores, supper was ready, and they were at the table. Grandfather was so excited about all the trades he'd tried to make that he wouldn't eat his supper. And Millie had to make him an eggnog with a spoonful of whiskey in it. When I went upstairs to write Mother a letter, he was still telling Uncle Levi and Millie about his trading. It was just by luck that I saw Grandfather looking over my raking job the next morning. He didn't usually get up until after I'd finished chores, and I seldom left the barn until I went to feed Clara Bell's calf after milking. That morning, old Bess wasn't waiting to catch her squirt of milk, and when I whistled for her, she came running in, wet from the direction of the orchard. I just happened to glance out through the type window, and there was Grandfather. He had his hands linked behind his back and was walking along slowly between the windrows. His head was turning from side to side, and he looked as if he were trying to find something he'd lost. He couldn't have stayed out there more than two minutes after I saw him. Before I had finished milking Martha, he came out from the front barn yelling, oh, uh, front, front barn doorway, What you dawdling over for them chores for, Ralphie? Time flies. We've got haying to do today. In some ways, the haying went better than I expected it to for the first few days. Grandfather worked most of the forenoon with Uncle Levi and me while we while we shocked the hay in the orchard. He never asked how the raking had been done, and we didn't tell him. <clears throat> in the afternoon, when we were ready to haul, Millie put up a pair of overalls, made a jug of switchel, Jamaica ginger and water sweetened with molasses, and came out to help us. I thought I had thought I was going to show Grandfather something about pitching hay, but little as he was, he could swing up as big a forkful as I could, and he started swinging them on just as fast as he could go. Come on, Ralphie, come on, he sang out as Millie stopped the rack beside the first row of shocks. And you'll show him how, uh, what kind of logs make wide shingles. Then he jabbed his fork into a shock, crouched, levered the fork handle across his bent knee, and sent the load sailing over the high rail of the hay rack. He was hardly off the fork before he was trotting toward the next. My blisters were beginning to heal pretty well, and with my new gloves, they didn't bother me much in handling a pitchfork. I wasn't going to let Grandfather get ahead of me, so I jabbed my fork deep, uh, deep, uh, deep, pitched, and ran for the next shock. We went neck and neck for the first half dozen, and then I came to a big one. I either had to take it all at one forkful, or, if I took two, let Grandfather get ahead of me. I caught the near edge of the shock with my fork tines, folded it up, and rammed the fork hard in the center. Then, when I sprang back, bent my knee, and threw my full weight on the fork handle. It broke in the middle. Out of breath as he was, Grandfather scolded me till his face was almost purple, called me a tarnal fool boy a dozen times, and went off to the barn for another fork. Uncle Levi was raking scatterings. As soon as Grandfather had gone, he pulled his rake up beside me and said, That's a good thing you broke that fork handle. If you hadn't, Thomas would like as not have killed himself before he got to the end of the row. I always took pride that he could outpitch him any man in the hayfield. Recollect what I told you. Slow and easy goes far in the day. You pitch first rate, but take it easy and let him run off from you. He won't go more than two, three shocks before he cools down. Just has to prove to you that he's a better man than you be. Ain't that so, Millie? Millie had been building load as Grandfather and I pitched to her. Her face, deep in her sunbonnet, was dripping sweat. 
and she was still breathing hard when she said, Taint hard for him to prove with 99 men out of 100. Take his fork, Ralph, and he and let's get his, this load on before he comes back. Her voice wasn't a bit mean. It was the first time she had called me Ralph without being sarcastic. I only had the rack loaded a little way above the rail when Grandfather came back. He passed me a heavy, long-handled fork, and as I took it, he told me to quit trying to show off before I broke everything on the place to all smithereens. I didn't say anything, and I didn't change my pace from the way I'd been uh, going before he came. For the rest of the road, Grandfather pitched three shocks to my two. Then he stood his fork against a tree and said, Load's getting a little high for your old Grandpa, Ralph. You throw on eight or ten or a dozen more shocks and fetch it to the barn. I'll go ahead and get some of the colch out of the barn floor. When we got to the barn, I found why Grandfather wanted me to build the load so high. Instead of using a horse fork the way they always did in Colorado, we had to unload by hand. But that wasn't all. The hay had to be handled three or four times. I pitched off the rack to Uncle Levi on the low mow above the tie-up. He pitched to Grandfather on the next higher mow, and he pitched to Millie who stowed way in the high mow above the driveway. Unloading was twice as hard as loading on in the field. With the hay rack built the way it was, the whole bottom part of the load was tangled and matted together. To tear it loose with a pitchfork was like pulling stumps. On the second trip, we tried to get Grandfather to build load, let Millie rake scatterings, and Uncle Levi pitch with me, but he wouldn't do it. For half a dozen shocks, he'd tear into it as if he were throwing dirt on a prairie fire. Then he'd either go off to see how the new bees were doing, or remember that he had to set a trap in the groundhog hole. He was away and back two or three times to each load, and it was nearly sundown before we had the third one pulled into the barn. Both Grandfather and Uncle Levi were too tired to do the unloading. Millie had to cook supper, and I wasn't a bit sorry when Grandfather said, Unhitch your hosses, Ralphie. We done a good job of work today, and we'll leave her set right where she is till morning. Can't go to hauling on of mornings anyways till the sun's high enough to suck up the dew. I saw Annie when I went for the cows that evening. She had on a pink dress, and for a minute I thought she'd spied me sitting there by the base of the big beech tree. Her face turned that way just as she went out of sight behind the woods at the foot of the hill, and I could have sworn that her hand waved a little. <laughs> uh, hard work, haying, and uh, learning to not try to beat your grandfather. I love you guys.